and welcome to Books Unbound, the podcast where we unbind books to get to their hearts with your hosts, us, it's Ariel and Raylene. Hello. Whoa. <laughs> All right. We've got a good old juicy episode for you today because we're doing another reading confession. Oh, yeah. This is when our dear listeners, specifically our dear patrons, submit their bookish problems to us. And we try our very best as seasoned readers <laughs> to give advice. Is it always good advice? I think we so. We don't promise that. <laughs> but I think we've been doing pretty good. I, I think, think so we've been too. doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> And we have some really interesting dilemmas that people have sent in, one of which is about e-readers and Kindles and mm -hmm. ethics that literally I've been thinking about for hours. And I've, I'm like, I'm that's the one where I'm like, have I? That's a very complicated <laughs> have one. Have I so helped? Yeah. <laughs> have I helped? We're going to see when we get to that. How are you doing, Ray? Good. Yeah, pretty good. It was my mom's birthday yesterday, so we went oh, out fun. for dinner at her favorite restaurant which is just like the most expensive restaurant in town essentially fun but it's good it's a steakhouse so there wasn't nice. like a lot of options for me so i just got a bunch of appetizers and so did kyle that's what we did oh, we were I like love instead that. of spending 50 dollars on one entree how about we just uh spend half of that on a bunch of little appetizers so it was fun oh, yeah. one of the things i got was just like a cheese dip oh, <laughs> and bread <God. laughs> so i'm feeling that pretty pretty good today like the dream yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not regretting that at all. No, no, no. <laughs> a bowl of yeah. cheese. Yeah. <laughs> cheese really is one of those things where like the consumption, the way that you're consuming it changes everything about it. Mm. Like if I just gave to you six huge pieces of cheese and I was like, eat these that with nothing else. That seems crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but the second you like wrap it in breadcrumbs and deep fry it, matzo sticks, you're like, well, yeah. of course I can eat 10 of those. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. It's a lot of cheese. It's like, oh, if it's a bowl of melted cheese, sure, yeah. I can eat the entire yeah. thing. <laughs> it's kind of a scary thought. It's a little frightening. We have no uh, control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you had a lot of cheese and life's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's been snowy here, actually. That's the one thing I haven't really talked Ooh, about yeah. yet. I think I teased it last week or maybe the week before, but I want to roller skate so bad, but there's just snow everywhere. Yeah. And I still haven't been able to track down a good kind of indoor spot. I did get some good suggestions from people in comments saying like use parking garages and stuff. But where I live, there really aren't any like underground parking things, at least not like accessible ones that don't belong to people's apartment buildings and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I'm still hunting. I know that there yeah. are there are options, but they're like a little bit of a drive. So if I sure. if I'm gonna do it, I gotta I gotta do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love thank that. you for the suggestions, people. I didn't see that. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, when I saw someone be like, You've gotta go to a parking garage, I was like, genius. Yeah. Brilliant. That makes so much of course. sense. <laughs> never never thought of that. And it would be probably smooth because a lot of them are like have nice pavement. So Yeah, they're like actually this reminds me of um when I was a preteen, like when I was like thirteen. Mm -hmm. And so my brother CJ would have been like eleven. My dad bought us Heelys. Oh my god. Which I couldn't do Heelys. <laughs> It was the dream of a generation <laughs> to true. have Heelys. And we Every were now and then like, I see a kid wearing Heelys and I'm like, yeah. Hell yeah. That's good. <laughs> so we had these Heelys, but like they are, imagine, 
I mean, people know what heelys are, but they're just a shoe that had one roller skate wheel <laughs> in the heel. So and nice. so you had to learn how to like balance just on your heels. Yeah. Um, and we got pretty good at it. I'm not going to lie to you. We got pretty good at it. But because it's just inherently a very unstable system. Yeah. It's not good like outside, like yeah. on roads just and stuff. It's just like not, it's just one good. little wheel. <laughs> um, but we would go to like the mall, yeah, and we would go to. Um, I remember specifically, and I know CJ is editing this and like nodding. The floor at the Cineplex <gasps> was the best oh. floor. I don't know what it was. It was. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember yeah. what the hell the material yeah. was, but it was just so, it was kind of like a gym floor. Like, I was thinking, super is it kind of like flat, yeah. smooth, smooth, but maybe glossy. a little bouncy, glossy, a, a little, little bouncy, like know. a little give. So nice. <laughs> so nice. God, that was the dream. I love that. was that. the life. Yeah. Um, as for me, my, I have a good, I have a good big, again, to use the same word, juicy update. Oh, okay. Actually, I have two. One is mine and one is ours. So the first one is I bought the mini truck. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. I've so, seen it. I've seen it, people. You've it's seen so it. cute. <laughs> you've seen it. It's adorable. It's perfect. I love it. And as I've mentioned, I my goal this year, one of my goals this year is to fix up and launch a bookmobile endeavor. And so I'm going to be chronicling that here on the podcast, giving you updates as things go along, but I'm also going to be making videos on my own YouTube channel. So um, while that is being schemed up and I'm figuring out like what details to include and what stage I'm at, um, there's certain things I'm going to hold back here. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's all very choosy in my brain, but I have the bookmobile. Well, I have, no, I have a miniature truck is what I have. <laughs> I don't have, have <laughs> anything else, but I have the miniature truck. I have now also reached out to a possible designer <gasps> to help me design a logo for the cool. whole endeavor and to help me with a color scheme. Mm. Because while I enjoy colors and like painting my house and everything, I would love direction on how to make sure it actually looks really good and what mm -hmm. colors look good on cars and like all this sort of stuff that an actual designer would know. So I'm, I've reached out to them. It seems like we're gonna work out, but we're like literally at the phase where oh, yeah. Um, they're telling me how much it'll cost and we've, I've got to make sure that I, I, it's in my budget and everything. So, but that's going well. And, um, yeah, so the next stages are, I have to get it like actually registered and get a license plate. There's a yeah. whole debate about, do I do a vanity plate? Ooh, maybe I, it's possible and a good idea. Potentially this might be the right? one case where I would actually advise that. <laughs> I know. Cause in normal life, when you see a car with a vanity plate, it, it depends on the person. I'm not going to shame anyone because I know that there's someone listening here who has a vanity plate. If it brings you joy, damn it, I'm glad you have that plate. <laughs> but overall, when I see them, I'm just a little like, ah, it's a little cringe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little cringe. But when it's for a business. Yeah, I think when it's, it's cute like for, when it's a business. When if it's a business or if it's like a vintage car or a cool car, like yeah. it's like something weird's going on with this car. It's not your like daily driver. I think that it's kind of awesome, actually. Totally. To like, I feel like I've seen a pink car where somebody just had the license plate, like Barbie or something like that. And I'm like, you see okay, that? that's fun. Genius. You've got a theme. You've got a whole yeah. thing. Unlike just, you know, having a, <laughs> like a station wagon and it just says like, like pillow. And you're like, okay, okay. I don't, I don't get it, but okay. I don't get it. <laughs> All right. 
Um, but yeah, so I have the miniature truck. I it is right hand drive, which is hilarious. Yeah. In Canada, cars drive on the left or we we drive on the right hand side of the road, but we sit and steer on the left hand side of the car. That's so true. this is on the right hand <laughs> side of the car is where all all the action's happening. I keep accidentally doing my windshield wipers when I mean to do my turn signal. Oh, is that reverse too? That's reversed as well. Oh. And this it's it's a manual stick shift car and so the stick shift is on the left hand <gasps> oh. side and so- <laughs> Thank God the clutch bamboozle. is on the same side. Oh good. The clutch is on the same side so the pedals are all the exact same. Oh that would have been scary. Had. That would have yeah, been really I had a minor change. crisis. I was like <laughs> that would have been a dangerous change because <laughs> The worst thing that happens if you if you are slow on shifting gears is that you can like throw on your hazards and like roll to the side of the road. Yeah. But if you accidentally slam the gas when you meant to <laughs> slam the brake or vice versa yeah, or whatever, yeah. that's like a crisis. That's bad. Um, but yeah, I drove it home, which was a whole story and a half. Good lord, it was fine. It was good. It was just slow because we took. Um, Nova Scotia has these beautiful new highways. Mm. They're fast. They're efficient. <laughs> But they're so fast that I was like, I don't think my first big drive should be on a, one of the new highways. Yeah. Like, I think we should take the old roads. And so we took the old roads and we didn't realize like most of them are like 50 kilometers an hour, 70 kilometers an hour. Oh, yeah. And so we never got to go that fast. So it took like double the amount of time, which was good because I was able to just kind of take my time. Yeah. The other, this is so unnecessary, but it's so freaking awesome. The guy who owned it before me installed a sick Bluetooth system with Ooh. new speakers. <laughs> And so I was like really jamming out to Miley Cyrus driving my mini truck down the roads of Nova Scotia. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) What a way to start the year. What a way to start the year. But things are on track, right? Yeah. Right? Like getting, if I get it all, and I will, if I get it all registered and insured and I already have the insurance, but if I get all of the kind of paperwork stuff done Mm -hmm. by the end of January... And then February is all about like the design, the logo, the painting of the truck, and then like starting on the build of the shelves. And then by March, the shelves are all done. And then the miniature truck, the bookmobile exists. Yeah. Then I'll have like March, April, May to sort out sourcing books, getting merch, etc. Yeah. And I would be ready for my June, July hopes and dreams. Amazing. So I'm feeling very good about all of that. And that's my big fun update. That's great. But I have two questions. Mm. Oh, please. I love questions. Firstly, do you have a name for the truck yet or a name oh. for the business? Obviously, you don't have to tell us, but have yes. you thought about this? Yes, I've thought a lot about this. I have a name for the business and I'm surprised I didn't tell you. Did I tell you? <laughs> no. And you're just acting coy for the pie? No. Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. I do. I did decide, and I won't reveal it yet until I find out that it's all above board. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm very happy with it, and I, yeah, I'm really, really happy about the whole business name side of everything. Cool. Then, when it comes to the name of the truck, I haven't named it yet. I will say, first of all, it's definitely a boy. I okay. don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes you just get a vibe, right? Yep. But I just feel very distinctly like it's a, a little boy truck <laughs> guy. Like he's just yeah. like, I think because it reminds me of a toy a little boy would play it's with. True, yeah. It's, <laughs> like it just feels it's so, so adorable. Uh, so adorable. But it just has like male energy. And that's that's great. That's great. I, I love 
him. I love him. I'm obsessed <laughs> with this little truck. I drove my friend. Or I did a little drive with my friend. I did a little drive with my dad. I drove my mom unnecessarily to the end of the road and back. Like yeah. everyone's getting a drive. Um, so I really love him. But I haven't named him yet. I want the right name to come by. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple things, a couple options. Raylene, you mentioned possibly giving it a Japanese, um, like possibly Studio Ghibli name. Yeah. And I love that idea because it is a Japanese mini truck. It was imported yeah. from Japan. So a Japanese name would suit him would well. Be very cute. But you yeah. could also call Yifla. it like Bobo or something. Like, and that would be cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cute. It's so happy. I kind of feel my mom mentioned this. And when she said it, I kind of was like, yeah, you know, that might be what's going on. My mom was like, maybe you shouldn't name it. Because I was saying, like, what if I gave him a Latino name? Like, that could mm. be fun. And she was like, I think you shouldn't name him until you've painted him his true color. True. Because <laughs> true that color. could really impact what That's the true. name is. And I was like, actually, you're totally right. And that might be why I haven't named him yet. Because I don't feel like I, he's not He's not his yet. final form yet. He's so not his final sense. form. Yeah. That makes a lot of what sense. What was your well, other question? Yeah, my second question is... And I'm sure you've probably looked into this, but maybe you haven't. Like, for selling books on a book truck, do you have to get, like, a yeah. business license? Like, what's the what's the business end of all that? I know. Great question. I don't have to get a food truck permit. Oh, good. I'll say that much. Because <laughs> I heard a lot of, like, negative stuff about Nova Scotia and food trucks. Like, hmm. apparently it's hard to get That's a vendor weird. permit for a food truck in Nova Scotia, blah, 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 blah. And, like, the restaurants in Nova Scotia seem to be a little aggressive against food trucks, which I hope is, like, turning because there there's some cool food trucks that are popping up. Yeah. I know that there's a sushi one somewhere, Whoa. and I heard that there's a Korean food truck mm. somewhere. And so, like, these are restaurants that we need. We yeah. need food like this in Nova Scotia. And the idea that, like, mo- mobility, a cheaper investment, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. is, like, making them possible. I'm like, why would people be against that? It's so crazy. But anyways, yeah. because I had heard of all of that, I made, I looked it all up. Yeah. And it's very clear that this is, I don't need a food permit. Because those are tricky because they're food permits. Yeah. Because you're selling food. And apparently that's just, like, a whole can of worms. Mm. I don't need anything like that. I don't, I think I need some form of vendor permit. Yeah. But I, I looked into it. It was so vague. <laughs> it was so vague. I was like, this is like annoyingly vague. Yeah, like um, actual information. <laughs> it seems very possible that I don't need a vendor permit. That like, as long as everything is insured, like as long as I have business yeah. insurance and like I'm not liable for anything, blah, 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 blah. Then I just have to sell goods yeah and it's just a stall no one is riding it no one's getting into it it's just a stall um so it's a good question though because that is one of the things i need to figure out yeah i feel like there's so many so many logistics totally there really is all of it (laughs) i know me too i'm so like figuring like right now the biggest thing that i just had to learn all about was insurance because it turns out insuring a right hand drive in canada is not straightforward whoa and i had i yeah like with my insurance on my jeep that i drive i remember i called up an insurance place i was like can you insure the jeep and they're like yeah what year is it i was like i gave them all the info and they're like yep it will be this much and i was like okay cool i'll call a competitor and like i called a couple places and they all gave me quotes and i picked one and they'd set it up within an hour like it was yeah 
all fun. Easy. I know it's it's different in BC, <laughs> but it's it is easy. It's mm-hmm. expensive and cruel. BC has an insane system. Um, because There's no competitors. <laughs> exactly. The car insurance is run by the province in BC, which I actually think should be illegal because it's a monopoly. It Anyways, illegal. this is like my least favorite topic. I hate BC insurance. Yeah. I think it's crazy. But um, with it's still easy. Like because. Yes. They're the only ones who can insure it. And you're done. You walk in yeah. and they're like, here you go. And you pay what you pay. And because I will go on the small side, because they're a monopoly, they're the most expensive insurance in Canada. Like it's yeah. so expensive over there. Um, so anyways, I call this place the first place and it's the place that like insures my Jeep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, can we do a bundle or something? Yeah. And they're like, uh, what kind of car is it? I was like, oh, it's this and this, and it's a right-hand drive. And the woman literally got angry at me. Oh. <laughs> she got angry at me. What? I, she was upset. She was like, this, uh, this isn't in my drop-downs. I'm going to have to do a manual insurance. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. I've called an insurance firm. You have to give me insurance. <laughs> like, Or you can say no, Crazy. but you can't get mad at me because you have to manually do it. I, okay. <laughs> so then I called another place. This woman got even angrier at me. And I actually think she was unbelievably rude. <laughs> like, I was explaining the whole thing to her. She got kind of aggressive. And then she like was like, well, I'm just going to have to email you the things that I need. And then she didn't okay. email me until the next morning. And she was asking some like, complicated questions. Yeah. She was like, how do you not have a commuter vehicle? Because I don't commute anywhere because I don't work anywhere. Yeah. I work in my house. So I don't. So my own vehicle is not a commuter vehicle. Right. This vehicle is not going to be a commuter vehicle. So she's like, so how do you commute? I was like, I'm just going to have to call her and explain my job. Yeah. That'll be fun. People love this. And so I call her and I'm like, uh, hi, I'm just calling because I think it'll be easier to explain over the phone. She's like, okay. And I, and I explained my job. She's like, oh, okay. I understand. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then she, I start explaining certain things and she gets angry and she said... You know, this would have been a lot easier if you'd been able to find a left-hand drive. <laughs> like, I give a shit. <laughs> Lady, what are you saying? Like, like it was that's so not how rude. You treat people. It, that's not how you treat people. That's not how you treat a client. That's not how you treat a customer. That's like, you know me, Ray. I'm like annoyingly polite. Yeah. I was so friendly to her. And she was just like, if you'd been able to find a left-hand drive, this would have been a lot easier. And I'm like, okay. what do you mean if I'd been able to find it? I didn't want a left-hand drive. I want this car yeah. and I need insurance for it. Can you give me insurance or not? Like, just That's insane to me. I know. I know. So then I messaged the guy who's selling it to me because he's so nice. And I was like, who did you insure it through? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh, this really small brokerage in Dartmouth. They're really cool. Um, SMK Insurance. I'm just going to say it because they're awesome. Yeah. And they uh, they were really chill. They gave it to me the same day. I was like, I'm going to call them. So I called them. Oh, my God. They were so nice. <laughs> they're just they the only so people who nice. know what right-hand drive is, basically. I guess. But they were like, <laughs> they were like, um, I just called and I was like, hi, I'm calling to inquire for a quote about insurance and it is a right-hand drive. At this point, I'm like, this yeah, is my pitch line. That. <laughs> and she was like, okay, that's no problem. And I'm like, is, it's it's not? She's like, no, we do them. You know, it's a little more expensive. I was like, yes, I do know that. She's like, yeah, I just need to know, have, do you, have you had your license for over 10 years? I was like, 
Yeah. She's like, yeah, you know, they don't want, they are really trying to dissuade young drivers mm. from these cars because they're blah, blah, blah. And they're like trying to import these cheap, c cool cars and they're yeah. just trying to dissuade them. So as long as you've had it for over 10 years, I was like, yeah, I got my license when I was 16. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've been driving for a also, long time. Also, it's a mini truck, not like a Lamborghini yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's like, well, you'll be totally fine then. It's just going to take me about half an hour to send you over the paperwork. So then she did that and she emailed it to me. And then I called her back and I, I ended up saying to her, I was like, thank you so much for being so kind. Like this has been so fun. And we taught, we had a like, Raylene, we just talked about her 50th birthday for a long time. Like, we had a whole beautiful conversation. But because of that, I was like, you've got to hear what this woman at the other place yeah. said to me. And I told her, and she couldn't believe it. She was like, "That it doesn't matter if you would have showed up with this kind of car. We need yeah. to insure everything. We can insure anything. I can't believe they said that to you. Oh. And then the final email that I got from her with my finalized insurance that I could then take and use to drive the car... Her email starts, hi, Ariel. Great talking to you this afternoon. I love being able to help people out, especially when they're basically told to go pound sand by someone else. Four <laughs> exclamation pound marks. Sand. That's such pound a funny sand. I love that. So anyway, she's the best. She was so awesome and helpful. And yeah. I knew going into this that the first part of it was going to be an admin nightmare. Yeah. And it has been. The DMV or the Registry of Motor Vehicles in Canada, they said, no, this you can't have this. You need this form. So I, so I had to go there <laughs> twice. Yeah. I had to do this three times. Like I knew it was going to be that. So I'm just kind of like releasing myself to the process. Yeah. It is what it is, right? Yeah. It'll be so fun um, when it's all done. But you got to do all yeah. these things first. But you just got to go through all these hoops. Yeah. But there you go. That's my big update. Thanks for the questions, Ray. Those are fun. Yeah. And no I'm like, I'm so excited to talk to everyone about this whole thing throughout the months. Um, yes. Yeah. The journey is going to be very fun to follow. Yeah. And I have so many fun, um, like videos of me driving it and stuff that my brother <laughs> took for the video that I'm making. Like yeah. I'm so hyped on the video that it's going to be so fun. It's going to be so fun. Yay. So the first video is just going to be called like, I bought a mini truck and it's going to be about the journey of buying it nice. and getting it home and doing a little tour of it. Cause it's got some fun features. Yeah. I haven't like, seen the inside of it yet really. So I'm oh, I should send you, I should FaceTime you and like, we should do yes. a little video just so I can yes. tour you with it. But on a FaceTime with Bobo, the truck. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, um, yeah, you know, I could kind of see it having like a robot name, like <gasps> yeah, that Bimo would be cute. or something. That would be really cute. Give him a droid name. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's cool. All right. Enough about us. Wait, no. No, there is we've big got us. bigger news. More about us. More. Okay, we've got huge news, you guys. Yeah, huge. <laughs> huge news. Many years ago, we made a promise. A promise we will live to regret. <laughs> promise we live to regret in yeah, fact currently we promised back it was in 2020 right right it was 2020 it was 2020 listen we were all crazy <laughs> it was a crazy year for us all it was a crazy time for us all back in 2020 may 2020 we promised that if we ever reached five thousand dollars of monthly support on patreon we would dye our hair peach yeah. Well, what do you know? <laughs> what do you know, folks? It, it, it happened. happened last week. <laughs> this 
is so exciting for us. Like, it's very exciting. We cannot emphasize enough how beautiful of a problem this is. We did this as such a stretch goal that we truly didn't think was ever going to happen. We didn't think our humble little podcast would reach this goal. We thought, you know, maybe one day it could, but we really didn't think that it would. And also we were, what, 25 when we made this promise. Yeah. <laughs> so... Times were different. There was a global pandemic sh shuttering us. Like we, we just wanted to feel alive. We just wanted to feel happy. So we made this crazy. We goal. made this fun, <laughs> fun dream. Now it's happened, and we have to dye our hair peach. Yeah. Um. And so we just, first of all, wanted to let you guys know that this has happened because it's so exciting, and we're so grateful. And as much moaning as we are going to do <laughs> over the coming weeks, because yeah. oh my god, our hair is so pretty right now, and we have to destroy it. <laughs> it's gonna um, get crazy fried. We're no, gonna I'm moan and moan. It's all in jest because we're so excited, and we're so we're feeling so supported. You know, yeah. like that's how I feel. I feel yeah. like. Wow, this is all happening because everyone like that listens to our podcast is so lovely and wants to support us on the Patreon and we're just super, super grateful. So we're gonna hopefully be getting this done in the first week of March logistically because it's such a giant hair appointment. We literally couldn't get appointments yeah. really closer to that and we wanted to be able to do it in the same week. So that was yeah. also kind of tricky. So um, hopefully beginning of March, we will have peach hair yeah it's gonna happen <laughs> it's gonna happen how do you feel how do you feel ray i feel excited but also scared for different reasons um like i'm excited because it'll be fun to have cool hair i'm yeah. also gonna get some kind of haircut that'll be different yeah. from what i've had yeah. historically for the past little while so i'll come in with like very different hair like so very cool. very different so i'm excited for that but i'm also at the same time nervous about that because i'm like okay i'm gonna have to be really confident about this new hair that i have because yeah. like, it's gonna be bold hair and so i have to like infuse myself with confidence that i don't know if i have so we'll see <laughs> we'll see how that goes <laughs> and i'm also just gonna show up at work with this hair i'm just gonna surprise yeah everyone i'm not gonna give them a warning because i don't want them to be able to tell me that i'm not allowed to do it so <laughs> yeah i'm just totally. gonna show up with peach hair and hopefully everything will be fine <laughs> i think it will totally be fine and they love you so much at work that it would be crazy for them to say anything about it yeah um and also you're not front facing like if you were front if you were front desk it's true. i feel like they would have more It'd of a, a reason more to nervous. say anything but yeah. hopefully they won't say anything but it is a variable. It is a variable that we're both like, she just has to go to the office with <laughs> And I'm like, should hair. I like tie my hair in a bun so I look more professional? Should I wear a blazer every day? Like <laughs> And a hat? And a, a chapeau? Hat? <laughs> yeah, I'm, you I'm did still say... trying to figure that part out. I think I just need I to like I... wear a blazer every day so I look really professional. <laughs> yeah. I think I asked you, um, does anyone else in the office have colored mm. hair and you said somebody did and they got fired <laughs> is that right <laughs> yeah but it was completely unrelated to the hair it was completely unrelated to the hair as far as i know this person had that hair before they got hired so i think it's fine so they hired someone with colorful hair i'm assuming so because like she kept keeping up the colorful hair yeah but it was like you streaks see? it wasn't like a full head so it's tough to say it's gonna be a Peach. different vibe Peach is almost a neutral. It's That's almost I blonde. Feel. That's how right? I feel. It's like, it's I like had a, a dream last blonde. night that I had blonde hair. It's oh, like really? it's starting to become a reality. It's seeping into my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> but what I in my dream, what happened is the hairdresser dyed my hair blonde and was like, okay, we're done for today. And I was like, no, 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 we need to dye my hair peach. And she's like, that's all you get for now. And I was like, <gasps> <gasps> so oh. I was stuck with uh, 
uh, blonde balayage, which was yeah, it was okay. Pretty. I, I didn't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want it to happen in real life. That's so funny. All right. Well, there you go, everyone. Thank you so much to everyone who has supported this Patreon. I mean, this podcast through Patreon. We are so grateful. We feel very lucky. It's really enabled us to do a bunch of fun things like become a video podcast. Like when we wanted to do that, we had a bunch of upfront expenses like getting Raylene a camera and getting CJ to be able to invest more hours and therefore pay him more because editing video takes about seven times, (laughs) excuse me, longer than audio does. So et cetera, there was a lot of upfront costs, but we were able to do it because of this. And we have like, you know, we're doing new segments on the podcast and when we do those we want to be able to have nice branding to go along with that well that takes money so all of this takes money and the fact that you guys are supporting it just means we can throw a lot of that back into the podcast um Mm -hmm. which is just sick so thank you and as a as our deepest (laughs) form of gratitude we will dye our hair peach yeah and we're excited about it it's gonna happen it's gonna be really fun i'm also the, the thing that i haven't really thought much about but that i actually am hyped on is that we're gonna be twins that's gonna I know. be so cute i know we're gonna <laughs> on the opposite sides of canada coast to coast there will be two coast chicks with matching hair <laughs> it's so cute i love it oh boy all right well it is time to get into our reading confessions we're going to be listening to these clips that were submitted by our dear patrons And um, if you wanted to submit a clip, you can become a patron and we have a form on there so that you can do that. But if that's only if you're curious, we've got some really good ones. Let's start with this message from Daniela. Hi, Ariel and Raylene. I would like to ask your advice on a problem that is completely of my own making. I have currently way too many books on my TBR. My physical tbr is over 300 books right now and i can't stop borrowing books ebooks mainly from the library i keep borrowing books from friends so it just keeps growing and growing and it gives me huge anxiety sometimes like sometimes i get so overwhelmed that i can't read anything so like your advice on how should i deal with this this feeling And also, how can I tackle it in a realistic way? Thank you. All right, Raylene, how about you start us off? What do you think? What do you think about Daniela's woe? Well, this one struck my heart (laughs) because, Daniela, I have the exact same problem as you. Mm -hmm. This is the way I live my life as well. Having a large TBR, that just scares me. But I, like, can't stop buying books because I get so excited about buying books. And people will recommend me things and I'll take things out from the library. And um, I've really started kind of dialing that whole habit back. So maybe I can give you some advice. Cool. So I feel like there are two options. There are two options here. One, either you need to just become okay with having a large TBR and be okay with the fact that you'll never read all of them or you may not read all of them and you can just be okay with that um i actually found a quote um from an author umberto echo or eco and um i i have this because one of my friends actually sent this to me because she also Mm. has 
like she has about 600 unread books so she was like she's trying to get rid of some books to try and bring it down but then she sent this to me and this is a quote (laughs) directly from it it is foolish to think that you have to read all the books you buy as it is foolish to criticize those who buy more books than they will ever be able to read it would be like saying that you should use all the cutlery or glasses or screwdrivers or drill bits you bought before buying new ones (sighs) so that's just a piece of the larger quote but he also kind of refers to books as being like a medicine cabinet and it's like sometimes you need the perfect medicine and you can just go to your cabinet and grab it if it's not there then you're not gonna like get that you know healing factor that that specific book might give you so apparently this author had like fifty thousand books in his collection or something crazy so that's that's an insane level of it but it's kind of just goes to show like you can live that way if you can kind of just release that pressure that's being put on yourself because that's how I feel when I have a large TBR it's like okay I have to read all of those I did this to myself I bought myself all those books or they've been gifted to me and like for whatever reason I have to read them but over the years I and now this is kind of going into option number two which is you can make your TBR smaller you have to make cuts where you might not normally have wanted to make cuts because You just can't read that many books, especially if you have more coming in, especially if you're wanting to read books that are from the library or from friends. Like Mm. there's just always going to be so many books out there that you have to bring it to a level that makes sense to you. And for me, I'm thinking I I like to think for myself, if I had maybe 30 to 50 books unread on my shelves, like that's a decent amount of books still. That gives me a lot of variety, Um, but I'm still working towards that. I still have like 160 right now, so I'm still trying. But my advice is getting rid of books like just culling books and the thing that I know is scary about this it's like okay but I spent so much money on these books if you think if Mm. you start thinking about that it can be scary and it'll make you not want to do it but yeah if you just kind of look at your books and think okay do I actually want to read these I bought these ones five years ago and I haven't even thought about reading them yet you know maybe maybe those ones should go out the door and I find the the more you do it the easier it becomes and mm. uh, so, cause I'm really good at it now. Like I even have times where I'm like, okay, I just need to reduce my collection so it fits on my shelves. And so I'll look through it and I'm like, okay, that's a book I read and I kind of enjoyed, but I'm never gonna read it again. I'm yeah. not gonna recommend it to people. So I may as well get rid of that one. So mm. sometimes, you know, you f- come up with your own systems for getting rid of things. Totally. But I think that that is the, the other way. Either you become okay with it or you do something yep. to change it. Those are the two options in my mind. What about you? I love what you said because it really is almost exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Because I I do think, I guess, this is it, right? These are the approaches. I think on the one hand, you can just accept that you like buying books. Yeah. Like, that's okay. And I actually also pulled some quotes, Ray. One of them... Um, I remember I had heard this idea that like collecting books was like a wine cellar. Yeah, I love that one. And so I looked it up and I found it. And I think originally it was said by this Irish author whose name is Ronan Hesian. It was from a tweet. We'll link that below. But um, he said, I said this before, but I try not to think of it as a TBR pile, but more like a wine cellar. You try and time the right combination of mood, energy, and interest so that you pick a book when you have the best chance of getting along with it. And that's what writers prefer too, he says. Um, And I just, I remember when I heard this idea, it clicked something in my brain because I was like, that is more like what I'm doing. Like when I'm Mm. buying a book, I'm not thinking to myself, I want to read this next. Sometimes I am. Like there are a couple of times when I buy a book that I'm so excited about 
that I like drop everything and I read it right totally. away. That does happen occasionally, but not most of the time. Like most of the time I find a really cool book and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. One day I think I'd like to read this or this fills this section of my shelves. I don't really have anything like this. This would be really cool to mm -hmm. read eventually. And then what happens is one day I'm in the mood for it and I have it. And yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is exact like weaseled in the attic. Just like, a weirdly oh, there's specific, weasels in, yeah. Yeah, it's a very specific <laughs> one. But like, I'm like, oh my God, I have a book about weasels. I could read that right now. And so it's more like this wine cellar thing where it's like when people are buying l lovely wines for their wine cellar, they're not thinking we're going to drink this tonight. They're thinking this will pair really well with a meal sometime down yeah. the road. And we're going to be excited to have it. So similar to your medicine cabinet mm -hmm. thing, right? That's like, that's so perfect. Yeah, it just feels good um, to have that perfect book when you need it. And I find yeah. that's what's difficult about the library is like, okay, what if I really want to read this specific book, but the library doesn't have it available? Now what? Yeah. I'm just lost. Yeah. And then you lose the mood and then it's gone. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I agree. That's... Like having a collection is awesome. Like I definitely uh, yeah. do love it. And that kind of transitions to this other point that goes along with this whole thing that um, I forget where I first heard this, but I've definitely heard it from other people before this idea that collecting books and reading books mm. are two different hobbies. They're not actually one in the same. And when you put the pressure of, I bought a book, so that means I have to read it right away. Yeah. You're like conflating two hobbies, but they actually don't have to be. And this is how I feel about my reading life. Like my reading life has very little to do with my book buying life. They're somehow they intersect, but not most of the time and not all of the time. And I don't need them to. When I'm in a bookshop, I'm not like, this is what's going to fully influence my next reading decision. Right. No, I'm like, this is going to influence my book collection. Like that's, there are two different activities and two different yeah. hobbies. And I think you can care about buying books and and enjoy it and enjoy supporting authors and enjoy yeah. supporting publishing and enjoy good book design and enjoy the thrill of the hunt. Like I just bought, I wasn't gonna haul it today. I was gonna haul it in the next episode. I will as well, but I just got this book at the grocery store. It's <laughs> called Ella Minopi, a novel in letters. And I was like- Oh, that's perfect. I was, I've actually been looking for that book at thrift stores for you and I haven't found oh it yet. Oh my God, I so found I'm, it. I'm really glad. <laughs> I got it for a dollar and I was like, this is such a perfect, fine am i gonna read this right now probably not but i'm excited about it and i've enjoyed yeah. the hunt like that to me is a whole collection mentality that is like really fun however on the other side you did specifically in your message say like sometimes i get so overwhelmed that i can't yes. read anything and i i'm pretty sure that you mentioned the word anxiety yeah in your message <laughs> and so if it is anxiety i think we can turn to my beautiful pal that I'm literally in the midst of. Oh God, I folded the pages. That's oh, no. not good. Okay, uh, Maria Kondo in The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. So I, I, I picked out a quote here. When we honestly confront the things we own, they evoke many emotions within us. Those feelings are real. It is these emotions that give us the energy for living. Believe what your heart tells you when you ask, does this spark joy? If you act on that intuition, you will be amazed at how things will begin to connect in your life. Um, putting your house in order is the magic that creates a vibrant and happy life. She loves tidying, doesn't she? She's so <laughs> excited about it. Yeah. So basically her entire philosophy is, does this thing spark joy? Yeah. When you actually pick up each book, 
I actually do think you get a little moment of like, I am excited about mm-hmm. this. Even if I'm not excited to read it right now, I am still excited to read this. I'm excited that I own yeah. it. I'm excited to have it. So I think you need to do an honest to God purge, pull every single book out, off of your shelves yeah. and then hold each one and think, do I like this? Do I actually care about this? Yes. And I think that will be the, she really suggests this, like when you're doing books or like a collection of any kind, like actually pull them all off your shelf. Yeah. 100%. And then because it's the act of like having to put it back on the shelf, having that one moment withholding the book, mm-hmm. like actually holding it, that is going to help you really make up your mind about whether you actually care about this book or not. Totally. Yeah. I always um, find that when I'm reorganizing my books is when I do my most of my purging. So maybe that yeah. will help too, like just even moving them around. And then like that movement and the effort really makes you think like, do I care about these? It's true. It's like, I think she's so right about the physicality of it. She's like, you can look in a drawer and be like, I think I need all that stuff. Yeah. That's not doing it. Like if you pull them all out and you actually have to physically put each thing back in, that's where your mind and the object connection is happening where you're like, okay, actually I don't need this third pair of scissors. I don't need this other copy of this. And the other thing that she, I couldn't find it because I don't remember what page it was on, but uh, the other thing that she kind of mentioned that when I was rereading it that I really liked, we she talked about how sometimes the the usefulness of an object was in the buying and the discarding. Mm. Like you were never supposed to read that book and it still fulfilled a purpose in your life. Like people feel like a lot of guilt about buying a book and not reading it. Mm-hmm. But she was like, no, the purpose of that book wasn't for you to read it. It was for you to have it and then realize you didn't want to read it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's such a positive way to look at it. And I think she's right. Yeah. Like you can own a book for a really long time and then realize, wow, I never read this. And actually, I don't care about reading it anymore. And she like, she's very specific about the way that she wants you to do things. Like she wants you to hold it and thank it and be like, <laughs> yeah. thank you for letting me know that I didn't want to read you and then donate it. Yeah. Um, but I think she's right. Like, I think you can spin that another way and be like, okay, maybe these items did help me realize that I don't like collecting books and actually it just causes me anxiety. And thank you to all of you for being here and like teaching me that. Um, I also wrote down, Ray, that there's a couple of things that might help here, like uninstall Libby for a while. like Yeah, like disconnect from other avenues of getting books. Disconnect from other avenues. Because I think once you've done your honest purge, like a true and honest purge, then maybe uninstall the library app because maybe scrolling has just become a thing that you do and you don't need to be... Because I feel that. Like I go on Facebook Marketplace and I just scroll and scroll and scroll <laughs> and like I love the hunt. But I'm like, what am I even looking for? So I have yeah. to like physically just uninstall Facebook because otherwise I like keep going on mm. it. Then the other thing is... When you're in a bookshop, take a photo of the book. Yeah. Put it in an album and think about it. Or if you are online and you're always like book shopping on like some website that you use a lot, just start a wish list Mm -hmm. and add things liberally to the wish list. You will be amazed at how that action of saving it, taking a photo of it, adding to a wish list actually satiates that buying vibe that you had. And then you actually don't care about buying it that much. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing I said was maybe find an accountability buddy, like find someone who also doesn't want to be buying books right now. And just like it, you can be like, look at this cool book. I didn't, I didn't buy it, but look at this cool book. And then they can be like, good job not buying it. Like that little (laughs) cheerleader, like when you and I do our no buy months and I'm like, I really wanted to buy this. (laughs) And you're like, you don't need that. I'm like, you're right. No, you're right. (laughs) So true. Speaking of which, we should do that again next month. Yeah, we should actually. Yeah, we really need to do that. Let's do that. All right. Our next message is from 
Brenna. Hey guys, my name is Brenna. Um, I'd like to start by saying how much of a shock to the system it is anytime you guys mention Brenna Thumler because it's a rare enough name that I've never heard it spoken without it being spoken at me. So all the times that you guys have said that you love Brenna, I want to just thank you so much. <laughs> but anyway, that's not why we're here. Finding new homes for books. Um, I regularly clear out my shelves, much like Raylene, so I have no issue with figuring out what to get rid of. We know how to get rid of shit, but it's where to take them after. Um, I live in LA and they don't do buybacks anymore at any of the bookstores around me after the pandemic. And so I always just kind of battle myself with myself on what is the least wasteful option where they might actually find a new home. So is that thrift stores, libraries, little free libraries, friends? Like I know that there are a lot of options, but just kind of curious what you guys generally go toward first um because I feel like I fight with myself every single time I have a clear out so if you could help me not do that that'd be great thanks we love Brennas on this podcast (laughs) I know (laughs) we do our two Brennas we love them (laughs) all right what do you think Raylene well with this one I was like I had a very clear answer until near the end of the message when Brenna says um that they don't do buybacks at LA bookstores anymore. And that That's scared really fascinating. me. That really scared me. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, how do they get more books? First of all, like used bookstores. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't understand that thought process. I think that's crazy. Um, so that was going to be my answer, but I have okay. a few a few sub answers. So yeah. I think that firstly, Brenda should try selling them on Facebook Marketplace mm. because since this is basically your only option to potentially make money off of them, you can yeah. like just price them really low if you want to. Like they can all be $2 each or $5 each if they're like fancier books or you can sell them in bulk even like one time i had a pile of books that i just wanted to get rid of but they were kind of random and there was like 10 of them and i just put them up for ten dollars on facebook marketplace and someone was like sure i'll take those and it was like the strangest collection of books like none of them went together so they might have only wanted one of those books and it might have been worth it but yeah so i that's my main recommendation because that could be a good way to like especially doing them in bulk is a good way to potentially get rid of them quickly and potentially make a couple bucks off of it at the same time but i think the next best option from that would be little free libraries if you do have them like Brenham did mention that in the message and I think that's kind of a big thing in like LA and like you know there's lots of people there so I'm sure there's lots of little free libraries Um, but I can see there being a problem of them filling up too quickly if especially if you're getting rid of a large amount of books at a time so Mm. I think that's a good option but a backup option would be either a so you know those book sales that we always talk about that we've been going to for the past couple of years I wrote this down as well so where I where I am from they're like they're run by a rotary club I don't know if that's like who runs them everywhere so you're gonna have you'd have to look to see where you can give donations but for me like if you just look up rotary club bc you'd be able to find it um and they just like take donations and then sell them at these giant book sales so I think that Doing something like that is good because it is, I think it's charitable in some way. I don't really know what I, the Rotary Club does, but I think they yeah. do good things with the money. So I'll hop in on this yeah. one just because I had I had also written this down in Halifax. The big book sales that happen twice a year are run by, oh God, I forget what it's, the Women's Music Society mm. and they raise money for women in music. And so it, it's a charity book sale. Yeah. And so it's a, such a great place to donate your books. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that one. Did you yeah. have any other ones? Yeah, the final option is just like thrift stores are always a good place, like as a yeah. last resort, at least for me. Like I try to give, like get money for them if I can. If I can't, you know, donate it to a charity shop. And if not, then, you know, whatever, just 
a, like because like value village is the is the prime example like they're always taking donations but they also have mm. really high prices so i don't like donating my books there because then whoever ends up buying them is paying way too much for them um but it's, if you drop uh, them off did at, you say value village yeah 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 they're like value village is such dollars a, now it's such an interesting scam because they've really made it seem like they're a charity yeah but they're not. They're, they're a for-profit business, and we just give them stuff to sell. We could be selling ourselves yeah. and making the money for. It's, exactly. Yeah, it's very interesting. Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, if you were to find, you know, a small charity shop, that might be a better option because totally. they'll sell the books for like a dollar, and they're more accessible that way. So I think that's a yeah. more a better way to do it. But yeah, any kind of like book sale thing, I think, is probably the the coolest way to do it. Yep. We're on a similar page on this one as well, Raylene. I, um, at the end of Brenna's message, she kind of asked like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. So I, I just wrote like my system. So the first avenue I go to is friends. I say, uh, Raylene, look, I have this picture of all these books I want to donate. Do you want any of them? And I just message local friends. I'm like, do any of you guys want any of these? That's first, because I would love to give books to my friends. Second is selling because, you know, you've made a bit of an investment into these books. If you can get money out, that's the nicest possible way. My favorite place to sell my books to is definitely my favorite used bookstores mm -hmm. because they'll give you store credit usually and then you can use that money to buy more books later on. Yeah. Obviously, this doesn't really work for Brenna, who's saying that there's no buybacks left yeah. in going on in L.A., but for other people who may not, not have thought about that. Then after that, that's really the only place I'll try selling them back to is like used bookstores because yeah. Facebook marketplace, you're totally right. It would work. I just am like, I can't be bothered. It's and a I pain live in, in the ass. It's sure. a pain. <laughs> and I live in such a rural place that I'm like, there's no one buying stuff here. Yeah. Like I'd have to set it up for a Halifax pickup and oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a nightmare. So then the, the next thing I would do is donate them. And exactly like you're saying, like I've written down try and find a book sale for a charity or find a food bank. There's a food bank near me that has a thrift store mm. and like it's a thrift store and all the money raised there goes to the local food bank and they sell, they take books. So I would donate to them. Yeah. Libraries, that's a give or take situation. Cause I went to a library when I lived in BC to try and donate books and they were like, we don't take books. Yeah, I was I was like, I've, never, oh. I've never heard of a library taking donations. Which is so interesting because when I looked it up online, Every website was like, your local library would love to get your books. No, they won't. And I'm like, is that true? Is they, that like an They old have thing? book sales like multiple times per year because they have so many things that they don't need. <laughs> so it would be worth calling them though, because yeah. what I think is, while what I wrote down here is libraries may not take them, but they might know where best to donate them yeah. to. They might be like, oh, this is the best. This is a local charity. They'll take your books from you or whatever. Yeah. So that might be good. Next one senior centers and prisons mm, this is very interesting but they do need books because they don't have the budget to buy books or whatever but usually they need books so if you call a senior center and you're like hi i've got some books would you are you guys interested in a donation or a prison or whatever like mm -hmm. a place that is having a hard time funding stuff that could be a great option next option build your own tiny free library or just donate to local ones but i think that if you had your own one it would be it would just be such a fun project. This is something that I've yeah. dreamed about doing for a long time, like <laughs> building a tiny free library, installing it somewhere. And then every time I don't want a book, just putting it in my own tiny yeah, free library. I, I love that. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that idea. That's so great. Um, this is really interesting. <laughs> I was like searching. I was searching for answers and somebody yeah. on Reddit, I'll link to the comment, but somebody on Reddit explained that parrots 
love shredding paper and books. <laughs> and like people that own parrots are always looking for books that their birds can shred. That's so funny. And so if your book is literally like falling apart. Yeah. If it's basically <laughs> trash. Then it's basically trash. Then this would be a parrot. Do you know anyone with a parrot? Um, and then the final option was... Like once I've tried donating them, if I still have them, you can recycle books. This is really interesting because I think people feel really, really like books are so sacred mm -hmm. that we can't recycle them. But I have had to recycle loads of books because, for example, arcs are usually not you're not allowed to sell them yeah. or donate them. You have to just recycle them. And so I've looked up like you have to tear the spine out because that glue is not recyclable. But all the pages are super recyclable. Mm -hmm. And I read the, the I found this fact that just said if we recycled all of the printed newspapers in the world, we could save 250 million trees from being cut down. Mm -hmm. Like there is so much paper waste that is just sitting there because people are scared to recycle the books that no one is reading are just sitting there. Mm. And so if you just have a bunch of books that aren't really in great condition, you don't think anyone's ever going to buy them. If you donate them, they're just going to sit somewhere forever. You could just recycle them. Um, but you'd probably have to call your local recycling center to figure out the proper way to recycle them because the yeah. glue in the spine, that's your tricky factor <laughs> right there. I see. I see. Very good. Lots just of good some tips. fun facts for you. Yeah, parrots. Um, all righty. So up next, we have this message from Valentine. Hi, Raylene and Ariel. My name is Valentine. I live in the Yukon and I want to make bookish friends, but I don't really know how. I love consuming book content on YouTube and listening to Books Unbound, but I have been wanting to connect with people in real life who love reading and books as much as I do. People with whom I could sit down, have a cup of tea, and talk about our reading life. A little bit like you two do on this podcast, actually. <laughs> I've tried joining book clubs in the past, but I found that I don't really like it because I usually ended up forcing myself to read books I was not that interested in. Um, so if you have any tips or ideas on how to make bookish friends, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Valentine's in the Yukon. How cool is that? Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. All right. This is a, this is a cool one. What do you think, Raylene? What, what were your, what was your advice? Oh, this one is kind of tough. Um, but what I, what I thought made the most sense, and I know Valentine kind of mentioned like meeting people in real life. So I have a couple of like different things. So I first was thinking getting to be a part of online bookish communities that you like, like for example, our podcast and like getting yeah. involved in say the discord of our podcast. There are so many people in there who want to chat books. So you, it may not be like IRL, like you're sitting next to each other, but you can like chat with these people. You can, yep. you know, do a video call, but people have also met as we talked about recently in a mail room segment, a couple of our patrons have actually met up and that's so cool. So like, it is possible if you find that. a friend, they might live totally somewhere else on, I mean, Ariel and I don't live close together either. We get to chat about books yes. and we don't live close to each other. So it, you can make it happen. If you want to replicate what we've got going on here, you can make it happen. <laughs> so that was kind of what I was thinking is first, like just find bookish communities wherever totally. that may be that like are interested in the same things that you're interested in. So that's my first bit of advice. But okay. I was thinking if you want to actually like meet people naturally, like in real life um, where you live, then I think what you need to do is just start like going to public places and reading. 
just everywhere Ooh. all over the place but then look for other people who are also reading and maybe if you become a regular at a certain place and you keep seeing the same people then maybe yeah. maybe you'll feel comfortable striking up a conversation with them maybe if you see that they're reading books that you're interested in or you've read then you can just kind of make it happen you know i'm right. not like the type of person who would ever do this but maybe maybe valentine is maybe valentine <laughs> is a go-getter extrovert so that's that's what i'm thinking like just insert yourself into more like bookish conversations i guess but you also have to put yourself out there for that because then if you're yeah. in a coffee shop reading every tuesday at a certain time or whatever yes. other people might notice you too so it might kind of yeah, go yeah, both yeah. ways and um yeah i think just carrying a book around is like a good conversation starter no matter what i love so. this yeah. i love i had a moment the other day this is a little cheesy but i had a moment the other day where i felt shy which doesn't i know it doesn't happen <laughs> to me very cute. often <laughs> i'm shy, shy all the time <laughs> I, <laughs> I just felt really shy for so basically i'd gone to a meeting with the book arts group people here in, in halifax yeah and i uh i it, the whole thing was about pop-up books okay and i had taken a book to show mm -hmm. they didn't say that we should take books but like everyone likes looking at books there because yeah. they're book art people so i was like people are really gonna like this book so i packed it and yeah. i had it there and i had it in a tote bag and i felt so shy i was like <laughs> i don't want to bring this book out i'm so embarrassed right now this yeah. is so cringe i'm like this is so i you know what nobody knows about the book so i don't have to bring it out yeah. like it's fine i felt really shy i was like not confident <laughs> and then i was like what the hell am i talking about just do no it. You can't, you can't let shyness stop you from stuff. Just because it's hard yeah. doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And yeah. I was like, no, that's lame. I can't do that. I can't just be like, I brought this book, but I'm too shy. I'm too embarrassed <laughs> to show anyone. No, it's a cool book. Yeah. And, and so I pulled it out and I was like, hey, Stephanie, look at this book I brought. <laughs> I felt so awkward, but she was like, whoa, what's this? And we yeah. started talking. Then Marilyn comes over and then I showed it to Rhonda. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I, the, the whole conversation started flowing and I was suddenly, I wasn't shy. People were like, I'm glad you brought that book. Yeah. Right? You just have to get over that hump. Gotta get over the hump. It might be hard. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard, but it doesn't mean that it's not worth it. And one moment of awkwardness can really be worth a longer term like win and mm -hmm. so you might think god it'd be so awkward if i saw someone reading and i go up to them and i say hi i see you're reading i also love reading you might think that's so awkward and what if they hate you you'll get the vibe right away they'll be yeah. like um i don't want to talk and yeah. you're like okay and you leave but you'll find someone who wants to talk because they also want a bookish friend exactly there's going to be someone out there you just have to search for them because that's the thing like just making friends in general as an adult is so hard like this is a thing that i hear all the time and i agree with like my friends yeah. are all met through work for the most part yeah. like most yeah. of my people it's like i either worked with them at the bookstore or like you and i like we're work buddies in a way like we met through our industry or whatever like whatever you yes, want to call exactly, it so exactly it's all like related to an activity that you do so if you're you know yeah. if you are part of a roller skating community i'm sure you've made lots of friends with your roller skating pals and stuff like that like all of these things happen because you've done some kind of activity or i work. can't wait to be friends with the mini truck community exactly you're gonna you're gonna meet so many interesting people when you start selling books at flea markets and stuff like i'm sure there'll be regulars who you like Kismet. never would have met yeah. these people but totally. they're gonna become your pals i bet because i'm so excited books. yeah um 
Okay, so what I wrote down here was sometimes you have to be the starter. Mm. There are often lots of people who want a thing, but are a bit <laughs> too busy or a bit too shy to be the ones to start the thing, but they would be down to attend the thing. Mm. Once somebody else has done a little bit of groundwork, whether maybe they just their job is a little too exhausting they, or they're just a little too shy to be the one to start it, but they would be the ones to show up. Yeah. So sometimes it falls on us to be the starters. Mm. Um, just very similar to what you were saying, Ray. And I, I, I was thinking like, Valentine was willing to send our podcast a message. You seem like a self-starter to me. <laughs> so here are some ideas I had. Number one, get in touch with your local bookshop or your local library. They might already have a reading program. What I have found, like our reading club program, what I have found is that libraries are really bad at marketing mm. because they don't hire a marketing person because it's run by the government. So it's not like they don't have budget for marketing. But because of that, they're like, terrible at marketing stuff. Like mm. I found out that my local library does all sorts of stuff. I've lived here for three years and I had no <laughs> idea because it's only on their website. Yeah. I'm like, who's my library is like library that too. Website? I've been a part of it since I was an actual child. And I looked once a few years ago and I'm like, oh, they have a like a knitting club that I can I know just mine show is up a at? knitting club. <laughs> mine is a knitting club. I'm like, who told yeah. what? It's but <laughs> like there's no buried. like there's no posters around the library. Like you would never no. know. No, there's no posters, there's no info, there's nothing. And then like on the website, it's not even on the main page. It's like in our hidden events page, ridiculous. Anyways, reach out to them. They might already have something that's going that you're just not aware of. Similarly with your local bookshop, um, your local bookshop might be a great way to find people because people that like are going to bookshops, usually I find are pretty cool. So <laughs> you might find some pretty cool people at your bookshop. Same with your library. Like these are just hot spots, right? That's true. Start another, start a little free library. Join Brenna. <laughs> start a little free library. I think when you start a little free library, you could totally have like a little note on the inside of it that says, if you read a book here, let me know what you think and then put your Instagram handle yeah. or whatever. Like that would be a way to connect with people. Start a radio program. Now you might be thinking, <laughs> Ariel, what the hell are you talking about? You my, dad was, I love it. my dad was stationed in the Yukon for a while when he was a training pilot. Hmm. And he started a radio program when he was there. <laughs> oh my God, be like Ariel's dad. <laughs> be like my dad, the coolest guy I know. Um, and so when you said that you were from the Yukon, I was like, you can start a radio program in my, <laughs> in my brain. Everyone about in the Yukon can, can do radio. That's surely not right. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, so. So basically, though, I was like, you could, though, because in local communities, they're dying for someone to go on the radio. Mm. So you could probably start like a one hour ra weekly radio show where you're like reaching out to people. Basically, I'm just trying to jig your brain into maybe there's some little there's idea that of sparks ideas, of a yeah. way to get incorporated. Um, another my, my kind of last idea that I... I wrote here was start like something like a Yukon Readers Club Instagram where you just post about bookish stuff that's going on in the Yukon um, or in Yukon territory because that often is a thing that pulls people together. Someone who's organizing yeah. news and events like you're suddenly the person who knows about everything. Mm. You're starting to meet people who are hosting stuff. That might be the way. And then finally, I said, if you do start one of these, let us know and we will promote it on our podcast. Hell if yeah. you start a radio program, a reading club, a literary society, let us know. Because yeah. yeah, you also mentioned, we didn't talk about this explicitly, but Valentine mentioned like they don't want to do a book club. 
Yeah. Don't do a book club. Yeah. Book don't, club you, there are so the many other ways. You don't need a book club. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need that. No. Um, all right. Our next message is from Rachel. Hi, Ariel and Raylene. My name is Rachel and I'm calling from Washington, D.C. My bookish problem is that my favorite books bum me out. I really love reading books about disgruntled housewives and mothers who are at the end of their rope and their lives start taking crazy turns. A lot of the books have a surreal or sci-fi twist once the lady really goes off the rails. I think the prototypical example is The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman, but recent favorites include Night Bitch by Rachel Yoder, Mrs. Caliban by Rachel Ingalls, and Chouette by Claire Oshetsky. It's kind of a subgenre of the unsound women genre that you guys like. The problem is, is that even though I really love these books and they really resonate with me, they also really bum me out and sort of make me spiral about my future as a woman. I'm only 24 and I feel like my ideas of marriage and motherhood have been really biased by reading these books for like seven years. I mean, it's not all that I read, but you get the idea. What should I do? <laughs> I don't want to stop reading these books, but I also don't want them to ruin my day. Rachel from Washington, D.C. says, my favorite books bum me out. <laughs> Yeah, that was really sad to hear. <laughs> what do you think, Ray? The key is balance. <laughs> That's what I have to say. So I, I also like feel this way like about different types of books, but I love reading stressful books. You know, I like yeah. reading things that are kind of stressful or that are uh, like about unsound women just like going crazy, doing crazy things or like you know, yeah. crime, like true crime documentaries and stuff. Like as far as like things I'm consuming, I, I also have that, but you can't just do it all the time because then it'll bum you out. So yeah. you just have to balance it out. Um, so that's the main part of my advice. But my more specific advice is that mm. maybe you should try finding some other books that are about marriage or motherhood, but are a little bit more positive yeah. and like aren't that kind of unhinged sci-fi weirdness. Um, totally. So maybe just finding some books that are kind of grounded in reality and are uh, about you know, real people and like the way, yeah. you know, maybe a more normal, more quote unquote normal relationships. Um, and so I did have a couple of of recommendations. Um, I haven't Sick. read a ton I also, of books. Oh, really? Great. I also brought a stack. So this is perfect. I love that. I uh, forgot to bring them. So I don't have them in okay. front of me. But um, I wanted to recommend The Time Traveler's Wife. Yes, mm. it's sad. And yes, it does have sci-fi, oh. but it is very much about a loving relationship and like the trials and tribulations of of being married. Um, I also wanted to recommend Forever Interrupted by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Another oh, yeah. one that's kind of sad and like kind of different Raylene. because this one, they're, they're all sad, but maybe that's a better, uh, better than stressful and better than bumming that's you up. But this one is interesting because it's about a married couple who they get married and a week after they get married, the husband dies. So like they barely okay. had a chance to be married. So it's very, it's an interesting Damn. situation. Taylor Jenkins Reid is good for that. Um, but then the final one I wanted to recommend is An American Marriage by T.R.E. Jones. Mm. And that's one I read a couple of years ago. And it was so good. Like it is a bit stressful because that one is also about like a situation where something bad happens to the husband. He gets yeah. incarcerated wrongfully and it's just like a very stressful book, but very beautifully written. And like the characters feel very real. And it's, mm. I think about that book all the time, actually. I really need to get my hands on a copy. So yeah, I feel like if you read some books that are just like a different vibe, but are still about marriage, like maybe it'll make you spiral about your future a little less because you can see a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, what do you I love that? I, yeah, I wrote this down because I found this really fascinating. I, I wrote down, you can make your own echo chamber and that means you have to be the one to yank yourself out. <laughs> I think it's really interesting because like, we talk all the, all the time about how on social media you can realize that you're in an echo chamber. Like mm. 
all the the platform is um pushing at you is people that think the same way as yeah. you and you get more and more and deeper and deeper into just hearing from people that That's agree true. with you and suddenly you think everyone is that way and you lose the diversity of thought and opinion that exists in the real world and it's like such a it's a terrible way to live well you can do this yourself by like only reading one type of thing or only watching one yeah. type of thing. Like suddenly you've created a little echo chamber for yourself. But the great thing is you have total control mm. on pulling yourself out. Like it's not unlike an algorithm, which you have no control over. Yeah. This you have full control over. So I wrote down the same thing you said, Raylene. I think nonfiction might be the solution. Ooh, real yeah. stories about real women who are cool and live neat lives. Because you're right, like... Um, <laughs> I was just thinking of Joe March, where she's just like, women. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, women are like, it's being a woman is hard because being a human is hard. No matter what human you are, you're going to have trials and tribulations. But when you read about really cool women doing really cool things, I think that might be the antidote to this yeah, problem. Yeah, that's true. So some of the ones I pulled out, I loved My Own Two Feet by Beverly Cleary, the story of a young woman who wants to be a librarian and in a time when like going to college in the 30s for a woman was like a hard thing. But she's so positive and excited mm. and eventually gets a real dream of becoming an author. I pulled these two just as examples. I haven't read these, as we know. Um, <laughs> the biography of Lucy Maud Montgomery um, by Mary Henley Rubio and the one by, about Agatha Christie by Lucy Worsley. These are both really cool, important, epic women who did really cool things and we can read all about their cool lives. I did also pull some like fun books, True mm. Grit was such a fun book oh, yeah. and part of the reason I loved it was because Maddie Ross the 14 year old main character she's such a badass and she's so yeah. fun to read about and she's like cooler than all the men around her um, and then The Blue Castle by Lucy Maud Montgomery is a great novel about a 29 year old woman who's like realized she hates her life and she has to be the one to fix it and yeah. so she like pulls herself out of that hole by living the life she really wants to live those books I think would be the antidote to to this problem um i also found this book i haven't read it and it had mixed reviews like some people seem to like be like this is my new favorite book some people were like this is not great so <laughs> you know just take it with a grain of salt here but i loved the name of it who cooked the last supper women's history of the world by rosalind miles so basically like this going through a lot of human history and looking at all of the impacts that women have made in like places where they haven't ever really gotten hmm. credit um i think sounds really really cool yeah so fingers crossed rachel you got this i you <laughs> rachel said like i don't want to stop reading these books but i also don't want them to ruin my day i think maybe you do need to stop for a while Just i was a thinking break. this take a little break <laughs> take a break i think maybe like take a few months off read some other stuff i think <sighs> it's gonna be okay <laughs> <laughs> good stuff all right our last message comes from emily hello ariel and Raylene. um my name's emily i've been so stressed about admitting this but about a year ago, I bought a Kindle. Basically, my old Kindle from, like, 2012 died while I was on holiday, and I had nothing to read. And it was stressing me out so much that I had nothing to read, and I was about to go on this giant road trip that I bought a new Kindle. Um, I regret it so much. I wish I had bought a Kobo, because, but I didn't know at the time that Kobos were a thing. I'd only ever heard of Kindles, and bad on me, because I hate Amazon, and I hate having to support Amazon with this Kindle. And basically, now I have this Kindle, and I really enjoy reading on it. I have a chronic illness that affects my 
like ability to hold big books. So being able to just hold the Kindle is really helpful. And Kindles in Australia don't have the option, unfortunately, to connect with our libraries. I have Googled every which way I could possibly do it, and it's, it's just not an option. I really don't want to have to buy another Kobo because one's expensive, and two, like, the idea of, like, then this perfectly good e-reader is just sitting there being unused. I'm stressed <laughs> about this Kindle because I really, really, really like it, but I really, really, really hate Amazon, so I don't know what to do. Help, please. Thank you. Okay, really, this is the one that really broke my brain. I yeah. think this is really, really it's fascinating. Tough. Before we, we jump into it, I wanted to mention something that's just like a fun fact. I actually pitched this as topic as my entire master's thesis Whoa. when I was in my master's. So when you're in a master's or with a PhD, I think you pitch your project beforehand, but with my master's, like you, you get accepted to the program mm. and then you have to pitch your, your thesis project. And I sat down with the directing supervisor and I was, she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I have two ideas. The first one is I want to figure out if books are bad for the environment. Mm. I want to look at whether, like what actually it, what is it when yeah. we publish a book and we buy a book? Like, what is the impact, the environmental impact on paper, on blah, 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 versus looking at e-readers. Are e-readers actually better for the environment? Are they worse for the environment? Mm -hmm. And I was like, because this is like a really fascinating topic, but I couldn't find very much information mm -hmm. about it. And so I feel like no one has like, or like there's studies that have been done, but no one's like pulled it together and been like, this yeah. is what we know. So I really wanted to do that. The other idea was about Instagram poetry because I thought it was a very interesting topic. And she said that because I was a YouTuber, I should do the Instagram one. <laughs> so I did the Instagram one yeah. and it was probably for the best. But I, I really am intrigued by this topic and have been for a really long time. And so when I was listening to Emily's message, I was like, Emily, you're right. <laughs> it's a minefield out there. Um, very, very tricky. So really, what did you think? What did you write down for this one? Well, first, I thought that it was crazy that you can't use the library for eBooks in Australia. So my first suggestion was- I don't was... think that it's, I think it's only Kindles. Oh, just Kindles. Kindles. It's okay, just okay. Kindles. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, just okay. Kindles. It's just Amazon being evil and blocking I libraries. See. Cause I was and like, might, maybe that you might should even move. Be in Canada. That was my first yeah. bit of advice. Like, maybe <laughs> move to a different country. <laughs> Check if in New jest, Zealand has different laws. No, I think that in Canada too, you can't get the library on Yeah, I've never Kindle. thought about it cause I've always had a Kobo. So I've never had to, had to think about these things, but that, is, Amazon. that is wild. It's um, Amazon being evil. Yes. Yeah, so that really sucks. That really sucks. Yeah. My answer, and I think it's, not going to be maybe what you want to hear, but I think yeah. that you need to get rid of the Kindle because Emily mm -hmm. has expressed so much regret and soul so, like it's soul crushing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's it's ruining Emily's day a little bit. Just yeah, harkening back to the other the other one. Um, it's it's bumming her out and ruining her day. So I think that what you need to do is sell it. And then mm. use what money you get from that to put towards buying a Kobo. So that's like mm. I, that's option number one. Option mm -hmm. number two would be to just stop using it for a while until mm. maybe you can ask for a Kobo as a Christmas present or a birthday mm -hmm. present. And then maybe you could gift the Kindle to someone who already uses Amazon and won't care. Because, um, yeah, another thing I know I saw when I was kind of doing some research online, um, Amazon has like a Kindle buyback program, but that's only useful if you want to then use money to 
you know, buy more stuff from Amazon. Oh. Like they give you a gift card, but it's for Amazon. So it would only be useful if like if you're someone who actually wants to support Amazon. But that's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Though. Yeah. So that's like an option potentially but not a good option but so my main <laughs> my main thought process is you need to get rid of it and get a new Kobo whatever way you do that um I'm thinking like maybe try selling it on Facebook marketplace or look locally and see if there's any places that would like you know tech places that would give you money for it like maybe you could yeah. try that and obviously you'll lose a little bit of money and that's just natural but I think like it the one thing you don't want to do is buy more Kindle ebooks, right? Like, I think that's yeah. the main goal here is not to give Amazon more money. So either you have to just stop using your e-reader completely, just not use it, or just read what you have on there only because you've already bought them, or you yeah. need to get a new one. Or maybe start reading books on your phone. Like, if you want to still be reading digitally, maybe that's a way you could do it because you can use Libby on your phone. Yeah. But I think ultimately you just need to not buy any more books on the kindle yeah and, well you know just cut that off and move forward whatever way you want to do that i am fascinated by this whole subject because <laughs> it, it it's like a sophie's choice situation mm. on the one hand you're being good to the environment but you're supporting amazon yeah. on the other hand you're being ethical to publishing but you're being bad to the environment. So there's a little bit of a, of a, it's like a lose-lose. Like you lose no matter what direction you turn in. So knowing that is actually important, I think. Both options, you do lose something. Mm -hmm. So you this, this can't be a full win. There is no full win solution. So you gotta just feel in your heart which one is going to make your life more manageable. I think that you need an e-reader. Like, it sounds like you love using Definitely. an e-reader. You said you have a chronic illness or, or chronic pain, I forget, but you, like, it, you're finding this to be so much more useful. I love my e-reader, so I really get why you love your e-reader. Um, so I think you need an e-reader. I yeah. agree with that. I think that this is an interesting case, partly of taking too much responsibility for what an evil corporation has done. Mm. Because it's not your fault that you weren't aware at the time that Amazon is so evil towards publishing, towards books, and towards authors. And the fact that they have locked you into an ecosystem, that means the only way you can buy books is through their limited service. They won't allow library books. They won't allow EPUBs to be dragged over. They won't allow you to read PDF files. Like they're only letting you read books in one certain way. It's really not your fault. And so I think that you should follow your heart on this one mm. because there's no there's no perfect win. So I think the best that you can do is feel better for yourself. And I think buying a Kobo and really using it or any other thing yeah like and really using that for its full lifespan will be better i have a couple of facts that i think will help you okay <laughs> <laughs> buying books in general isn't very good for the environment i don't think people want to hear this but i'm hmm. gonna have to tell you all about it unfortunately um the amount of paper that gets the amount of trees that get destroyed mm -hmm. and and forests that get leveled so that we can read paper is slightly devastating mm -hmm. um like here's a this is an interesting fact 20 percent of a book's footprint is due to the car trip to purchase it 
Ooh. The amount of time that you're spending burning gas to get to your bookshop because you want to buy a book or on Amazon, the amount of gas that's being spent by an Amazon delivery yeah. truck to get it to you. That's terrible for the environment. It's complete. It's like terrible. <laughs> this little thing that you're going to go get because you want it right now. It's, it's really bad. Um, it says 50% of the environmental footprint is due to the production of pulp and paper because of mm. heat production and bleaching because we want paper to be white. Yeah. <laughs> we don't Stupid. want it to be gray. <laughs> um, and so, but then when you look at e-readers, they're also terrible because they use like these really um, minerals. They use minerals that you have to mine, right? Mm. So the truth is that just reading in general isn't great. Yeah. Nothing is great. Using a Switch, a Nintendo Switch, playing video games, uh, the leather that's used in a sports ball, the wood that and glass that's used in a, in a frame, everything that we do creates waste. And so you can't be perfect anyway. So if you think about it this way, no matter what way you turn, it's never going to be perfect, whether you bought physical books. Um, and by the way, there's about a 20 to 50 book amount that you need to read for your e-reader to even out. Ooh, oh, So wow. if you read, uh, let, let's say 30, if you read about 30 books, I remember find, like I had to do a bit of a pitch when I did my master's <laughs> project. So I, I learned some facts. But when you read about 30 books, probably your e-reader has now done as much environmental impact as if you had bought those as paperbacks. Oh, okay. And if it's hardcovers, it's less because hardcovers are even more exhaustive on the internet, yeah. on the environment. So if you've read about 20-ish, 30-ish books on your e-reader, you can feel about as good as if you'd bought 30 books from right. a bookshop. Okay. So it's like you, it's not like an e-reader is really bad and God, I shouldn't have even gotten into the ecosystem in the first place. <laughs> Everyone who's buying physical books is doing the exact same thing. So here's what I think would be the ultimate thing you could do to, to absolve yourself of this okay. problem. Figure out how to recycle your Kindle. Mm. So if you want to completely remove it from the system, like you feel bad selling it to someone because now they're just going to go on yeah. and use it. And you don't want to gift it to someone because they're going to go on and use Amazon. Go to your recycling center and figure out how to recycle it. Like... You can rip the, the case apart and put that in plastics and the screen goes in this type of plastic and this the battery goes in this type of battery and reducing it to the smallest bits that you can and properly recycling it is the best thing I think that you can do. That's a good tip. I've thought about this for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I literally I, would have not thought of that at all. <laughs> I believe that that is your best bet because it will it will actually return some of that material back. Um, making it not as much of a loss. But I agree, Raylene. I think that what Emily needs to do is buy a new Kobo because at the end of the day, it's not going to make that big of an impact. The truth is, like, I, I felt really bad as I was listening to this message because I was like, I feel this. I really feel this. And it's so awful that, like, the consumers, I think we have some responsibility, but the consumers have almost all of the responsibility put on us mm. to we have to be perfect and know what everything is doing whereas why isn't amazon being held responsible for all yeah. of the awful stuff that they do so i think ultimately get rid of the kindle get it out of there get it out of there because <laughs> reading should be fun and happy correct course think about it this way too this was the other idea i had how long were you going to use that kindle for five years ten years say it was five years just get a kobo that's gonna last you 10 years and yeah. then it would have doubled out anyways yeah <laughs> thank you very good <laughs> very good very good all right 
we are going to go record our Patreon mini podcast, The Movie Tub, mm. where we talk about the movies and things that we've been watching. Thank you all so much for watching this episode, and we hope you're doing well, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>